I'm Sam Slater from Fund Calibre, and today I've been joined by Stephanie Butcher, who's the Chief Investment Officer to Invesco. Hi, Stephanie. Hi there. So, first of all, perhaps we could start with what is the role of a Chief Investment Officer? Yes, it's a very good question. I remember when I first got the role, uh, a very senior and experienced client said to me, well, what sort of CIO are you going to be? Are you going to be an investment CIO or a business CIO? And it was a, it was a really good question because the, the reality is the job is a mixture of the two. Um, you know, I think, you know, for me, I do still run money. Uh, I'm still intimately involved with the clients and portfolios. And so that part of the job is 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 key. But I think it makes... It makes the sort of part of the role of, you know, asking the right questions of fund managers, the oversight role. If you're involved in markets day to day still, I think, you know, that that becomes you know easier. Um, you know, the investment meetings, thinking about the right process to get the best out of the teams, you know, structure of the team product and so on. That's all linked. And on the business side, I think it's really thinking about how do we, within the investment center, link with the other parts of the business. So whether that's other divisions such as distribution, marketing, ops, et cetera, but also being part of a global business, you know, part of a $1.4 trillion asset manager is, you know, how do we get the best of that platform uh, for all of our clients and how do we work with those different parts of the business? And when you're looking at sort of the managing of the team side of things, I always get the impression that sort of fixed income managers are always glass half empty and equity managers glass half full. Are there those kinds of personality differences between the asset classes or is it very much managing each individual? How do you go about it? Yeah, um, that, that's quite amusing sort of uh, uh, linkage and I mean, there's an element of that perhaps although you know in every team you have a range I mean I think the the truth is is that you know in every team you've got very different characters and it is always thinking about how do you get the best out of all of them you know both within the team environment so naturally you're going to have some big characters naturally you're going to have some introverts uh, and, and really making sure that, that that balance is right, both in terms of the, the hiring process and so making sure that we've got that diversity of thought, which is very important. Um, but also, I think, you know, what's been interesting about the sort of experiment we've all been forced into in lockdown is online is it's really interesting seeing how different characters, you know, react to that. And we found that some of the people who in a physical meeting environment perhaps struggle have, have really kind of sort of broadened out and, and their voices have been louder in that environment. So I think it is just really trying to think out what are the processes and the formats that suit the individual so that you get the best out of them. And do you think that's some of those things you'll keep on after the pandemic when we're all back at work? Yeah, no, it's absolutely something we're sort of talking about and sort of working with all the desk heads sort of thinking about, I think, I think like most, you know, we're sort of um, thinking about sort of a hybrid environment. Um, but I think there are certain meetings and we haven't sort of, you know, fully decided, but I think there will be certain meetings that we will keep entirely online for exactly that reason, that, you know, that, that confidence level of, you know, having younger, more, more junior, um, you know, members of staff who, who really have got something to add but who perhaps find those very big physical meetings quite intimidating. And I think that's something that we've, it's, it's definitely a sort of a positive learning from, from what we've been through. And as a woman in what's still very much a man's world, you'll be aware of the gender issues, but how do you and Invesco go about thinking about diversity and inclusivity when you're constructing the investment team and thinking about what that team will look like in the future? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a crucial question. And, you know, I've been involved with um, the Women's Network at, at work and also um, sort of involved with other areas of our sort of diversity and inclusion, um, sort of social mobility, which I feel strongly about. And, and we've got really active work streams in a number of areas. I, I think the truth is, you know, none of these things you can turn overnight. Um, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, at senior levels, the, the, the pool isn't as broad as you'd like it to be. So I think... A lot is about the pipeline. A lot is about, you know, that sort of granular work of going into schools, into universities, explaining what the business is, you know, where, what the different types of roles are and really doing an educational element. I think, you know, then when you're sort of, if you've you've got people interested is then that whole interview process is how do you make that as broad as possible? So we've done a lot of work thinking about, you know, what sort of questions you ask, how you do it, how you look, you know, how you sort of move away from sort of the more traditional CV type applicant, um, you know, thinking of, you know, really encouraging teams to think about, well, what are the pieces where you can actually train people into the role as opposed to needing to have it in place, you know, right from the word go. Um, thinking about who's doing the interviewing, you know, making sure it isn't just sort of, you know, quite sort of mono in terms of, um, of, of character. And then I think, you know, the really, for me, I think one of the most powerful um, sort of uh, methods is using uh, mentoring when people are in the organization and we have a very active mentoring process and, and I've done the, you know, sort of number of years of it. And for me, I think that's a hugely powerful way of, you know, recognizing that people have got different, you know, sort of senses in terms of their own abilities and encouraging them to go for things and push themselves in a way that perhaps they don't naturally feel they could um, for, for, for whatever reason. You've also done some work on taking away unconscious bias. Is that correct? Yeah, no, I mean, look, we've, we've done lots of, lots of areas of this. And I think, you know, the, the encouraging thing is, is that, you know, the team leaders are really, really, you know, open to this. So, you know, they want to, to, to have as broad a slate of people to look at as, as, as possible. Um, and, and I think, you know, a lot of the time it, it is just sort of pointing out to people, have you thought about, you know, how you relate with people, you know, even, even sort of job specs. How do you write a job spec that actually doesn't in its first place put people off? Um, and I, you know, sort of, you, you look at some of the the specs that were in place, you know, years back, and it's like, well, no wonder you didn't have have a breadth of of, of applicant. And and we've made huge, huge moves on that. And I, you know, when you look at some of the sort of internship programs we have and the breadth of applicants we now have, I mean, we've made major, major moves. And I think that's um, that's all to the good. And what about sort of thinking about the pipeline for the next generation? Are you doing any work with schools or colleges or anything like that to encourage people into? I mean, I, I fell into the finance industry through languages of all things. I had no idea it even existed. So do kids today, do university, anyone there today, do they know that this industry exists in the first place? Yeah, well, I'm like you, I fell into it as well. I'm a, I'm a historian by training. So I had no idea. I mean, it, there was there was no grand plan there at all. But I think you're right. Um, you know, this is what I meant, you know, this granular work of, of physically going into schools. And you know, I've done that and, you know, colleagues have done that. And again, in universities. And that's been that's been a really good sort of rich seam of, of, of just opening people's minds up, not only to what the industry is like, but also the breadth of roles within it, because it's not just about, you know, being a fund manager and analyst, you know, there's the whole marketing side, there's sales, there's ops, you know, there's the finance. It's, it's a really broad 
industry to that that extent. And I think, you know, when we've gone in, the reactions have been very positive. And I know other firms do it too. Uh, I think it is, you know, as I say, there's no magic wand here. It is that really granular element of just just doing the legwork of going in and, and educating people it doesn't help that you know for, for historical reasons you know whether it's you know films or the media or whatever and you know some of the worst stories you know the the, the industry reputation at times isn't isn't brilliant and i think it's really thinking about you know really dismissing some of those myths uh, and and just educating people on the reality of the hard work but fantastic you know job that this is and, and getting people excited by it we need a wolf of Wall Street going into universities and telling them the good side. Well, of that's things, it. Don't we? Yes, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Um, you know, hugely entertaining. But you know, I, I always say to people, you know, if you walk into an investment floor, it's more like a library than it is, you know, that sort of trading floor. And that, and 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 the very different personalities. You know, again, the sort of image of our industry to our big extrovert extrovert characters. We've got lots of introverts. You know, very analytical and so on. Um, there's room for everyone, but. Yeah, there's there's a lot of myth busting to be done. And um, just think a little bit about a few of the new phenomenons that we've seen over the last couple of years with sort of the rise of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and Robin Hood traders more recently. How as professional investors do you deal with things like that that can appear suddenly and then sort of change the way the market's working either temporarily or long term? What do you do? I mean, I think the first thing really is to educate yourself. So I think what you don't want to do is just ignore it and sort of, you know, put it aside as some sort of fad or phenomenon. And I think, you know, it is really, really fascinating because I think, you know, maybe it's telling you a lot about policy changes. I think liquidity is a big part of it. So understanding that is crucial. And I think, you know, certainly for Bitcoin and for um uh, you know um, the, the the whole sort of uh, you know digital currency side of things and, and and blockchain and so on. It's really important that we understand it. Um, you know, even if you know it isn't you know the day to day investment for for us as you know long term active you know equity and fixed income multi asset um, players at, at the moment. But you know on the multi asset you know who's to say? But I think you need to understand it, and so we make sure that we have people come in and talk to the fund managers, both from externally and also you know people um, you know on the ETF side have worked on some of these areas as well, and just educating the fund managers so that they understand what these are and you know rather than just dismissing it and i think you know even with you know things like robin hood which was very retail driven you know obviously almost by definition they're big players in the markets you know you can't ignore them and you know even for us as long term fund managers you know you need to get a sense of how those flows may be influencing you know either directly your holdings or indirectly and that's been, you know, the traders have been super helpful to, to the fund managers on, on understanding, you know, the dynamics of that. Um, so, yeah, it's really important not to ignore it. Well, that was a really interesting different take on sort of we, we generally interview fund managers. So it's interesting to hear from a, a CIO. Thank you very much, Stephanie. It's a pleasure. And if you'd like to find out more about Invesco's elite rated funds, please visit fundcaliber.com. 